Welcome back to the second episode of Bowl SSE. I, Ishita Jain, your today's host on behalf of Enactus Shri Aurobindo, I'm here to kickstart our next episode of the podcast entitled as Bowl SSE. I welcome all of you and duly extend my heartiest greetings to all. As the famous phrase goes, today's world is shrinking. And a direct implication of that is there is no such field knowing about which will be of no use to you. Every topic is meant to be unraveled. Every stone is meant to be turned. Being said so, we are here to embark on this journey through this series of podcasts. So today we have with us Mr. Arun Krishnamurthy, an Indian environmental activist who has initiated the campaign of cleaning various lakes across India. In recent times, people mostly focus on a comfortable life in the future with a well-paid job. Walking along the road not taken, Mr. Krishnamurthy gave up his job at Google to contribute all his time and effort to the conservation of water bodies. He is known for founding the NGO, Environmentalist Foundation of India in 2011, based in Chennai, which has its branches in other cities such as Hyderabad, Delhi and Coimbatore. Mr. Krishnamurthy, with the organization, has been successful in cleaning at least 39 lakes in the country. He was chosen as among the five people for prestigious Rolex Awards for Enterprise Award in 2012 for scientific lake restoration in Chennai. So we are extremely privileged to have one of the most eminent personalities in the field of environment. Climate change and the subsequent water crisis has been affecting millions of lives across the world. Even in India, many states are facing a severe scarcity of water. Yet when it comes to taking action, the population is hesitant on making an effort. At a time when public participation becomes the only counter to the problems, young leaders like Mr. Arun Krishnamurthy are the ones that bring about a revolution. We have him today to instigate all of the listeners and viewers with the dynamics of flood management in India. We are honored to have you here, sir. It will be really great pleasure to start on a note wherein you can explain to us the dynamics of flood management in India. Uh, thank you, Ishitaji, for that kind introduction. And many congratulations to all student members who have actually taken on such a task of putting together a podcast where we are discussing some vital topics, especially during a pandemic. Because the focus is so on issues that we can only relate to our own selves, our own problems. Often, many other important topics get forgotten. And I'm truly excited that a student body such as yours, a part of an educational institution such as yours, has actually put in an effort to discuss floods when we are in the peak of summer. Often, the mindset, social mindset, is to look at a problem when the problem happens, not ahead of it. And the best example for that would be the second wave of the pandemic, unfortunately, because of which many of us are affected, losing loved ones. And it's, it's only because of preparedness we are being told that we are caught unaware. That's exactly the analogy that I would draw for the flood management too. Whether it's Chennai, Hyderabad, Bangalore, Uttarakhand's flash floods, or any part of urban India where rivers are in spate, due to cloudburst, where lakes and ponds of the urban center spill over because we have taken up land that belongs to watersheds 
where we've reclaimed land and we've built upon we're often caught unaware that a flood of this magnitude is possible the most recent example would be that from hyderabad of last year when the city of hyderabad if all of you are aware of the terrain it's a beautiful landscape with tiny hillocks and an undulation that is not common to bombay kolkata or chennai uh, it's it's a city which is up and down up and down with several hillocks as i mentioned and often hyderabad faces severe acute water shortage especially regions like hasmatpet near sikandrabad they, they are, these are pockets where how many ever feet you plow the ground below you will not find water and bone dry belts often people were of the idea that hyderabad would never get flooded but that's not so true when we look 100 years ago 150 years ago during the nizam period uh, there is a renowned uh, engineer by name shri vishweshwaraya the great mind behind the construction of the krishna raja sagar dam in mysore or the man behind several such structures in bihar across the ganga river this individual this engineer a uh, uh, a leader of future india way back then had futuristic vision on water management how to prevent floods and how to ensure that we keep our urban spaces free from inundation and flooding during such heavy downpours hyderabad used to get flooded year after year only because the city did not have a proper water management in place at the same time 3 months 4 months after the floods the city would face acute water shortage shri vishweshwaraya saw an imbalance in this water management and distribution system all that he did with the help of the nizams the rulers of that day was to establish a reservoir project for hyderabad the osman sagar the himayat sagar and several water bodies were developed in the outer periphery of hyderabad city and there were canal systems that were developed from one lake to the other all of which were dra- draining into either another lake or into a larger system which would feed the moosi river the moosi river the meethi river the kuvam the adayar these are all rivers of urban india uh, the names that i just mentioned meethi in mumbai moosi in hyderabad or kuvam adayar in chennai or for example all these rivers have a responsibility in water management but often what's misunderstood is these streams are taken for granted and we just we just dump our urban solid and liquid waste into them and we forget that these channels these canal systems have a responsibility towards drought mitigation towards flood management because it's not about everyday activity that we have to be worried it's about these unfortunate untoward incidences which could happen as an accident and that's exactly what's happening with regards to cloud bursts or heavy downpours and at that point in time we cannot establish a new canal system to take the excess water we have to be pro- prepared and that's what was achieved in hyderabad through the himayat sagar osman sagar reservoir systems which were created in the cities out the periphery and the canal systems which would take the excess water during the monsoons into the moosi river which would further drain out of the city and go merge with the krishna river thereby into the bay of bengal look at how intricate a water management system was was developed uh, 100 years ago 150 years ago when the so called modern technology was not available 
machinery that's available today was not available back then but despite that but despite that humongous projects ambitious projects such as those were possible simply because the human mind was capable of innovating the human mind was capable of having futuristic thoughts that's exactly where we are going wrong today in today's perspective everything is so short lived and everything is easily forgotten that is why the chennai floods of 2015 or the hyderabad floods of 2020 are already a distant memory because we don't understand water management at the level at which it should be comprehended take bihar for example as a state most of the upper reaches of the himalayas nepal all the water that drains into the flood plains of bihar and because of excess siltation because of agrarian activity we see the course of rivers changing we see the course of the entire watershed being mismanaged which leads to massive floods year after year and that is where we have a new challenge at hand which is the cloud burst phenomena which we are experiencing because of climate change climate change is in our backyards like nowhere else in the world uttarakhand chennai are best examples for this take into consideration the last 6 to 7 years the first big flash floods of kedarnath shri badrinath that we witnessed where we saw boulders come rolling down where we saw humongous amounts of water being dumped in uttarakhand in a very short span and in the last one year in the last one year we've seen or not even one year in the last 6 months we've seen two instances of that happen again and when we look at such instances of natural occurrence of heavy downpour in a very short span often human life and property that's on the path of water he gets hit first hand and that's where we need to reimagine our course of living and i very carefully choose the words course of living because riverfront development watershed redevelopment is not a scientific methodology for urban expansion is not a way forward for human inhabitation these are things we definitely have to take into consideration because today any lake pond river restoration is done in an aesthetic manner appealing to the human eye which caters to our entertainment purposes but nobody is considered about the ecological purposes of a water body such as this nobody is taking into consideration the environmental damages that one has to bear with in the course of altering a water body's responsibility all of us want a jogging track around water bodies we want concrete floors on the banks of the river where we can sit read a book or we want structures developed which would make the water body look colorful which would make the water body look beautiful for a picture spot but nobody understands what is the soil structure how are we maintaining the balance of hydro levels and how are we looking at the different life forms of that particular habitat how are we making sure that the water body is capable of being dry at the same time carrying enough and more waters that it should receive in an abnormal condition this is exactly where we are failing in our flood mitigation or management whether it's bihar uttarakhand kerala chennai hyderabad anywhere in this country simply because the forethought and the futuristic vision is missing in action we talk 
a lot of science but we execute very minimal of it when it comes to field management i'll give you an example there is a place called kavalapara in uh, in in kerala this is in in near vayanad and for those of you who are not aware of vayanad vayanad is part major portion of vayanad is part of the nilgiri biosphere reserve india's largest biosphere reserve and this is in the tri junction of three states kerala karnataka and tamil nadu we are looking at tiger reserves such as the mudumalai tiger reserve in tamil nadu the kabini tiger reserve in the the bandipur tiger reserve in karnataka and we are also looking at several pockets of dense jungle in kerala so this entire biosphere reserve is spread across the three meeting point the tri junction meeting point of the three states of kerala karnataka and tamil nadu but take into example the last 20 years i am talking about dense jungle that none of us here on the call who are from an urban center would be even able to imagine we are talking about hills untouched virgin forest fresh streams of water where the river kaveri originates so it's it's a jungle where you have leopards tigers elephants and so many different life forms a biodiversity that is extremely difficult for us to even understand or imagine in one such a habitat we are just cutting down forest to develop tea estates coffee estates holiday homes and we just going on a rampage we're going on a rampage where, where where people with money are buying huge estates and then what are we doing we're having electrified fences to protect our property and we're cutting down roadway we're cutting down the hills to make roadways and kavalapara the the extremely unfortunate landslide that kerala witnessed 3 4 years ago during the heavy rains was because a whole hill came crashing down because the vegetation was cut the vegetation was no longer there to hold the soil and the rock boulders and because of which an entire hill came crashing down wiping out villages wiping out villages killing almost 10 and 20 people and almost changing the entire topography have we learnt our lessons no take into example there is a cyclone in the west coast of india that's currently in action and uh, the last news bit i read was it was 100 kilometers off goa coast and so somewhere around 400 kilometers off the mumbai radar so we're looking at a cyclone which is brewing and the entire west coast of our country from kerala to gujarat is in red alert and read the news bulletin carefully one item which they repeatedly mentioned is landslides landslides don't happen without a reason they happen when you have tampered with the natural topography of the region where you've cut down the forests where you've removed all the vegetation where you've gone and built concrete structures in in loose soil where you have rock boulders which are not being able to hold back because the vegetation is no longer there and with heavy rainfall 15 cm 20 cm rainfall in less than 24 hours period such heavy impounding will cause extensive landslides and if you and i believe that oh people would learn from such landslides no they don't they're very happy if the mountain comes crashing down because a year later the locals forget the locals forget that a landslide happened so the sand mafia could easily step in and i wash people brainwash people saying 
or we just removing all the silt because it is causing hindrance to all of you and then you sell that silt at millions of rupees so you cut the tree because you wanted a hand a grab of that silt which you could sell later we are trying to make money every possible way now, who's thinking about the <coughs> who's thinking about the floods who's thinking about the drought no thought no thought and for those who are affected in places like kavlapara in nilambur a part of vayanad for them a livelihood is lost because they are working in that tea estate they are working in that pepper garden they are working in in that rubber estate and their livelihood depends on that and if you are going to go try to sensitize them saying this is part of flood management if you don't want to get flooded if you don't want to witness a landslide that will wash away your home such things should not happen we need to leave this forest to be a virgin forest you really think people are going to accept it no because there is no space for science logic when your livelihood is to be affected by it that is the biggest challenge india as a developing country faces when it comes to natural resource management improper natural resource management imbalance in resource distribution has it's it's part of a vicious cycle which causes flooding and that flooding causes furthermore imbalance so we go on a cycle where we actually don't have a deeper understanding of the larger problem which is natural resources of this country are to be treated with respect and we cannot be greedy and developmental model should focus on equal distribution of resources and when we talk about equal distribution of resources it's not just for human consumption for every life form the forest deserves 60% of the resources so be it only if the forest survives will there be water only if there is water can vegetation hold on only if there is vegetation can we prevent instances like kavlapara where we are seeing large landslides happen when landslides such as that is prevented is when you'll actually see your rivers carry water as a perennial source when that happens is when the river stream and the canal system will remain as a hydro setup in people's mind when we won't dump garbage or we won't dump liquid waste and encroach and build over it and when we don't do that is only when a flash flood like situation will still be able to take the water through the course of the channel of that river or the canal system look how everything is intrinsically connected one after the other we just can't wipe out india's flooding problem by reconstructing a canal system for 16 kilometers within patna why did patna get flooded patna a historic city the ganges has been flowing in and around patna for millions of years how is patna getting flooded in 2020 why is patna getting flooded simple upstream and downstream you've hampered the course of the majestic ganges that you don't have respect for an inhabited urban landscape such as patna where you think a glass building and a concrete road is modernization where we don't have a deeper understanding of the river system and the city gets just flooded and bridges which were inaugurated 7 months ago just get wiped out just get washed off that is the sturdity of structures that we are building today and look at how our natural course has a memory this is something which all of us is it's scientifically proven water has memory and we don't have to give a spiritual tinge to it we don't have to give a superstitious tinge to it it's simple scientific logic 
water flows from a higher region to a lower region and that is the memory that we are all talking about whether it's around patna whether it's in nilambur kerala look at where water is finding its way water is just going from an upper reach to a down a downtrodden spot and when water is trying to do that it just carries everything that's on its path it doesn't distinguish on religion caste economics or whether you've newly built it whether it's an heritage structure water just carries everything and anything that's on its path this is where our flood management has to be redrawn with strategies where the younger audience greatly understands where is the yamuna originating what is the point of merging at delhi's borders what is happening at kashmiri gate what are the different nalas of delhi doing what was its original purpose why isn't the batkal lake getting enough water what happened to the sources of the canals that used to reach the batkal why is the millennium city of gurgaon getting flooded and just a few kilometers away whether it's sultanpur or batkal several water bodies don't have a drop of water how are they bone dry what has the underground metro system in delhi done to the steppels and what is all the larger landscape modification done to water bodies when we are building an underground metro system are we also thinking about groundwater are we also making way to ensure that we actually reconnect our water bodies canal system storm water drains 100% we require the metro in delhi i am a personal beneficiary of that definitely not against the metro system but when you're building that metro what what was the environmental impact assessment what was the thought given to water table in delhi what was the thought given to redirect storm water to structures which would now not get water because of a concrete belt that is built underground let's say 10 feet 30 feet 40 feet below ground and we have in some places multiple layers of underground construction all of this it needs to be given a thought when we are talking about floods floods is not about that day when it rains and that day when water reaches our homes flood management or drought mitigation is about water management it's about hydrological habitat management and as young students each of you has a responsibility to make these as a topic of discussion and bring this out and i'm truly grateful that you gave me this opportunity i'm sorry i couldn't turn on my video because of network issues i'll leave you with one thought in 2015 when there was massive rains in chennai uh, amidst the flooding a gentleman called me and he said arun you spoke so much about rainwater harvesting during the summer i conserved rainwater so much now it's in my kitchen in my bedroom in my hall it's everywhere i don't know what to do and that's actually where we have come to we don't have water during the summers and we have water in abundance during the monsoons and we constantly have one mode to just blame the government whoever is in power whether it's this party that party whether it's this leader that leader we have such a government dependent society in this democracy we fail to understand that we are part of the government and we as citizens have a civic responsibility we dumping our construction debris outside our home into storm water drains or we illegally connecting our sewer lines to the storm water drain or we generating plastic waste every single day at home and just dumping it elsewhere is all causing environmental damage including flooding including drought situation that is where 
individual social responsibility is what is going to help us see through difficult times including the pandemic rather than looking for help outside it is the time to self help and see if we could go one step further to help others in and around us no one man one woman one organization can save the planet the planet needs no saving to survive on the face of this planet we need a certain discipline science and logic should be the basis to that i congratulate the young student leaders who put together this session and i sincerely hope i've added some value to your invitation and i hope to work with all of you on field volunteering for india and her environment end of this pandemic praying for all your safety jai hind all right sir it was really insightful to hear you and your detailed description thank you so much once again sir for your worthy time i am sure that our audience will definitely incorporate your piece of advice in their personal lives we hope to hear from you in near future as well that was it for today's episode of bol ssc reach out to us with any questions suggestions and recommendations our podcast is tel- telecasted on spotify apple podcast google podcast and our very own youtube channel in actors shri aurobindo college you can reach out to us on our official social media handles see you all again next week tuesday sharp at 8 with yet another interesting topic and an eminent guest till then take care signing off your host for today ishita jain until next time stay home stay safe